You're listening to Goat Rodeo. Keep an ear out for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is the Goat Rodeo Variety Show. I'm your host, Dean Enright, and today you'll hear the first of our Live from DC series. Every now and again, we like to share with you the sounds emanating from the bars, concert halls, venues, and living rooms throughout the district. We take our favorite live events and we bring them to you. And this first Live from DC is one of our favorite events in the city. How well can you spot a bold-faced lie? Do you think you could separate truth from fiction, one story at a time? Once a month at the Beer Baron Hotel and Tavern, host Pierce McManus and Kara Foran bring a storytelling show with a deceptive twist. This is Perfect Liars Club. Every show, four storytellers get on stage and tell a personal tale. The catch? One of them is lying. After each story is shared, it's the audience's turn to cross-examine and grill each storyteller until a final vote is taken. Can a sold-out crowd spot a falsehood? Or is DC just too good at peddling fabrication? Find out and play along today at Perfect Liars Club. See you soon. Go Rodeo Variety Show is brought to you by Weep. Shocking, ridiculous, suspicious, and fun. Welcome to the Perfect Liars Club. You'll hear four stories, three of them true. But one of the suspects is lying to you. Question and point the finger, laugh out loud. If you catch them lying, you can brag and be proud. Perfect Liars Club. Liar. Perfect Liars Club. All right, all right, all right, friends and lovers. Please put your hands together for Pierce McManus, the host of April's Perfect Liars Club. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Perfect Liars Club. How is everyone? Wow. 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 What a crowd. Thank you so much for coming out. We're so excited that you're here. I am Pierce McManus. With you, as always, is my much more talented co-host, Kara Foran. And uh, we're going to try something new. Kara is going to be on the floor as opposed to the sound booth today. So uh, prepare for some Oprah-like interrogation later on at the second half of the show. Um, it is crowded in here. It is a sold-out show, and we had a lot of walk-ups. So if you do have a spare seat next to you, please welcome a new friend to your table. Raise your hand if you have a space, and if you need a seat, come on down. We have many people here who want to share their space with you. Can everybody hear me okay? It's too loud. I was kind of going for the opposite thing. Can you bring down the mic? Ian. Ian, let's hear for Ian from Goat Rodeo who joins us. I will talk in a whisper. Thank you. 
So, we're 75 days after the inauguration. Woo! <laughs> 75 days, ladies and gentlemen. That only means there's 1,385 days left of the Trump administration, or as I like to call it, the American remake of V is for Vendetta. <laughs> Movie nerds. <laughs> I am trying to look on the bright side of things. If you ask me on election night whether I would be here right now putting on this show for you, I would say that was in serious doubt, because I was convinced by the time the cherry blossoms sprung, I would be living in a cave in Rock Creek Park, fending off zombies, and living on deer meat. So uh, I consider this a win. Um, spring in DC, everyone loves spring in DC, right? Yeah. Cherry blossoms. Yeah. Nationals baseball. Slack-jawed young tourists standing with their mouths agape looking up at the escalator at Woodley Park Metro. <laughs> Seriously, they sh during tourist season, they should just rename that metro station Hell. It's just Hell. It's not just Hell for the DC people who are trying to get up the escalator and have to do that passive-aggressive, like, lean-in to the escalators. There's always that poor dad with the kid carrier and the stroller who's, who's on his way to the zoo and all he wants is a cigarette and a Miller Lite. <laughs> so as I said, we got a big crowd tonight. We're very happy you come. We're very happy you uh, enjoy our show and come month after month. Uh, but I want to take this occasion to give a special shout out to two large groups who are with us tonight. Uh, first off, where's the group from Quorum? <laughs> Quorum, uh, I've come to learn, is a uh, DC startup. Um, I've looked at your website. I have uh, no idea what it is you do. Uh, but I can say this much, somehow you've managed to make politics even nerdier. So congratulations there. Also, uh, it gives me great honor to announce we've got a very large group of freshly minted foreign service officers here tonight. I mean, this has got to be a real interesting time to be going into the diplomatic corps for the United States. I mean, I wonder, what's going, what's going through your mind? You're like, well, you know, I get to leave the country. But I'm representing the country. Um, here's a true story. I moved here 25 years ago to become a foreign service officer. And I could never get past the oral exam. Because they said I wasn't very good at public speaking. Does anyone else see the irony in this? But I'm not bitter. You guys ready to play Perfect Liars Club? How many newcomers do we have here tonight? Whoa! Apparently our crack team of uh, analytics people over at Perfect Liars HQ were wrong. There's much more than 47% newcomers here tonight, so welcome. On behalf of Perfect Liars Club Nation, hello. So here's how the game works. You're going to hear four amazing stories from four locally sourced artisanal story makers. 
It is up to you all to listen attentively, take notes perhaps, think of questions, and try and find the holes in each and every one of their stories. After each storyteller and every storyteller tells their stories, we will have a brief intermission. We will regroup, and that's when we turn the reins of the show over to you, and you get to ask our storytellers questions in an attempt to poke holes and suss out who the liar is. Does it make sense? If not, we'll just figure it out as we go. Okay, you guys ready to meet tonight's storytellers in alphabetical order? Our first storyteller tonight is David, and he's dying one day at a time. Give it up for David. She's an HR lady by day and a DJ by night. Give it up for Erin. Our next storyteller is a husband, a stepfather, and an artist. Round of applause for Michael. And last and certainly not least, she's 25% dairy products and 75% golden girls. Hands together for T-Jam. Yeah. Right. Based on the introductions alone, who already thinks they know who's lying? <laughs> all right, all right, well, well, someone over there always thinks they know and then they don't know. So, all right, well, put that down. Let us know how you do at the end of the show. So, the, what comes next is someone needs to pick the order in which our storytellers are gonna tell the story. So, sir, you look like you'd be good at this. Our first storyteller tonight is... Michael. Michael, all right. Our second storyteller is... Aaron, Michael, Aaron. Followed by Tija, Michael, Aaron, Tija, which means by process of elimination, David, you're last. You can hold that. All right, so without further ado, who was our first storyteller? Michael. Michael. Round of applause, keep it going. So one of the first things that they really hammer into you uh, if you ever go for substance abuse treatment is to change people, places, and things. And I was a few months away from my 27th birthday, and I was entering rehab for the first time. And the place that I chose to go was a, essentially down the street from where I had gone to college, Frostburg State University in Maryland, um, where I studied drinking. <laughs> and for the most part, it was like, a, it was a good experience. It was 30 days, I got to uh, learn a little bit about myself. Uh, I liked my roommate, it was this guy, Hector, who would uh, always walk around just going, hey man, nothing changes, nothing changes. <laughs> And on like the third day, I, uh, I was told I need to go to the, see the financial advisor. And I was walking down this hallway and I walked through this door and I'm, I haven't even finished looking up yet and I hear this voice go, oh my God, MJ. 
And I look up, and it's this girl, Amanda, who I had dated in college. And she was like, I always thought I knew that I would come across somebody I knew here, but I never thought it was gonna be you. But now that I think about it, it should have been you. <laughs> so I do 30 days there. I do 90 days in a halfway house. And on the 91st day, I, uh, I start drinking. I get a job as a bartender. I start dating Amanda. And I move in with three Frostburg State University college students. My life is back on track. <laughs> the three guys that I move in with, uh, the one guy I worked with, uh, Dino, and his cousin, Audie, those two were uh, Bosnian refugees. They came over here like when they were like 10. And really bright guys. And the other, on the other hand though, the uh, third roommate was this guy named Pete. And Pete followed fish took in stray cats and drank orange Listerine. Some people like Maker's Mark. He liked orange Listerine. Um, they were totally into the college lifestyle, which I, which I have found, you get one pass with that. Usually it's like during, between the ages of 18 and 23. If you don't use it then, you just become what I was, which was the house cautionary tale or a douche. <laughs> Literally, that was my nickname, douche. I had actually uh, called Dino a douche at work one day and he's like, dude, what was that? And I explained to him what it was, he loved it. Then he started calling me douche. Then everyone at work started calling me douche. I became douche. So the house was filthy. I mean, it was just, uh, it was that typical college house. The, the bathrooms were like, you walk in and the only thing that was different from our bathroom and the one in train spotting was a Bob Marley poster. <laughs> and the, my, the living room floor was uneven. My bedroom floor was uneven. Um, and no one knew when or what trash day was. <laughs> Dino was like, douche, we just, you know, we put it in the bag and we, you know, just set it outside. From a distance, as you drove up to our house, the trash bags that lined the wall, it looked like a fortified beachhead. Like they were sandbags, like along the shore of Normandy. Um, and we, uh, we just lived that way. And for me, I had the thought of, these conditions are usually the reasons people get sober. <laughs> so I'm living there. I am uh, dating uh, Amanda. And I, I can feel that I just, I, I just don't fit in. I think the one moment that really like summed up everything is when I heard Audie and Pete talking downstairs one morning. And Audie says to Pete, Dude, do you know how old Douche is? He's 27. 27? He's fucking 27. 
in the way like he had like this disgusted disbelief it was honestly the first time I'm in my life that I had ever felt 40. And I thought to myself, I, um, I'm living in squalor. My girlfriend I met in rehab. My, uh, I have all but officially changed my name to douche. Could this get any worse? And the universe said, Yes. Because that night, I got off work, I employed uh, some of the things that I learned in treatment, and I got a cab, because I had a few drinks after work, and I was gonna take it into the city to meet Amanda. And I was kind of like excited about this night, because um, Amanda had promised me sex, and we had never had sex. And she had said, MJ, I'll sleep with just about anyone, but I have no idea why I have not slept with you. So, we're, I'm, I get the cab, I take it to my house, I'm like, I just have to run in, get a change of clothes, I'll be right back. Um, I run in, I run up to the front door, it's locked. Uh, not a big deal, but I don't have a key. The back door, though, is always locked, or unlocked. So I start running around the back part of the house along the great wall of trash bags, and I see one of Pete's cats, and I'm like chasing it, and I'm in a good mood, and I'm like, hey, buddy, 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 I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you. And I get back to the, uh, the back door, and I just kind of lunge at it, and I go, I gotcha. And right as I lunge at it, I see its ass, and I see this, light green stream come and hit me on the side of the face. And I realized it wasn't a cat, it was a skunk. And my face immediately, have you ever seen Fargo where Steve Buscemi gets shot in the face? I immediately just go into this face. Cause I just wanna make sure like none of it touches anywhere else. I run back to the cab, and I knock on it. Before he's even done rolling down the window, he's got his shirt over his face. I tell him that um, I won't be needing his services that night, uh, that I got sprayed by a skunk, and, and he believed me. My next call is 911, because all I can think is rabies. 911. What's your emergency? I got sprayed by a skunk. Do you need an ambulance? I don't know. Well, uh, did it bite you? No. Well, why did you call us? I, I don't know, just, am I gonna get rabies? I don't think so. This call, this line is only for emergencies. So I end up calling Amanda, who to no surprise knew exactly what to do. Um, MJ, you need tomato juice. We gotta get you a new change of clothes and tomato juice. So she comes over, and one thing that I knew that was not gonna happen that night was sex. Um, we practically like just bathe in tomato juice in, uh, in my yard. Uh, get into a change of clothes, and I go over to her house, and I stay the night on the couch, 
And after a while, once you get the smell out, it, it really just smells like a hair salon. It smells like burnt hair, uh, which is what her house then smelled like for a while. Um, but the next morning, I was like, I, I cannot do this. This whole incident it was totally tired, uh, tied, a total product to like people, places, and things. So I made a phone call to my parents, and I was like, I need to move back. And then I made a phone call to Dino, and I told him pretty much everything up until this point. And he's like, dude, he's like, you need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Douche, I mean, you got you to gotta start your life over. I don't know what the fuck you're doing here. And I said, really? You're okay? Like, this is cool if I just leave, like, right now? And I'm not, like, you know, hanging you out on bills, and, you know, I don't know if you can get another roommate. He's like, dude, don't worry about it. Plus, I think last night we had a fucking skunk move in anyway. <laughs> but he told me one of the things he said as he was, uh, as we were getting off the phone, he was like, douche. He's like, this is no place to start your life over. And then he said something in Croatian. And I was like, what does that mean? He's like, fuck douche. Nothing changes, nothing changes. <laughs> Thank you. One more time for Michael. That was like a, a piggy in a blanket cautionary tale. It was a cautionary tale wrapped in a cautionary tale. So many, uh, so many questions. Is Frostburg a place or a state of mind? Uh, do they have skunks there? I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot to digest. So while you're digesting, give it up for our next storyteller, Erin. <laughs> My wedding colors are purple and leopard. I'm sitting across from this bride. Um, it's 2010. I've been DJing since 2001. I've been a wedding DJ for a few years. And that was actually not the statement that made me think she was the most interesting bride I'd ever had. Now my typical brides were like, my colors are blush and bashful. And like, you know, you get it. And um, you know, they had their little notebook and smart little scarf and all that stuff. But this girl was sitting with her father on the couch across from me boobies out I mean like it was crazy a shirt or a dress that was more like a tank top for most people green crazy hair those were not the things that made her the most interesting bride I'd ever had what made her the most interesting bride I'd ever had was that I'd gotten an email from the same father a few weeks before saying my 19 year old daughter is terminally ill she is engaged to an 18 year old boy and her mother and I want to give her the party of a lifetime because she's not expected to live but a couple more years. And I was like, damn, okay. Um, but when I met her, I was like, she's my person. She, this couple's like my people. I get them. I'm super excited. So, you know, I 
am setting up the uh, arrangements at the Longview Gallery, which is here in DC. It's on 9th Street. If you've ever been to the space, it's beautiful. Long, thin, concrete floor, art gallery. It's got these big garage doors on the back that roll up. And like when it's a beautiful day in DC, it's a really nice venue. I've DJed there a bunch of times. But I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, they've requested the Ramones and Blink-182 and The Cure and all this stuff. And I'm like, yes, because, you know, there's only so many times a person wants to hear Don't Stop Believing." I don't give a shit if you like Journey. It's real old after a while, especially after a few years. And at this point, I was DJing weddings every weekend. So, you know, it was a lot. Anyway, we get to the wedding day. And it's a beautiful day. It's early August, which normally you'd be like, oh, yikes. But it was actually one of those days that was just gorgeous. They had the back garage doors up. I got to the space, and they have decked it out with purple and leopard. It's like a lounge. It's covered in velvet. And there's like a rockabilly band doing the cocktail hour. And it's like overstuffed leopard chairs and the groom's got this little mohawk that's slicked back and he's super cute and the bride's in this like 50s leopard dress and they just look happy and and all of their little friends are like these little goth kids and gutter punks and I'm like oh my god I love them they're so cute because normally it's like you know the, a person like that at a wedding looks like a weirdo but the parents look like weirdos and it was so great I mean it was just <laughs> It was, it was really fun. They, you know, they walked down the aisle to Billy Bragg and they danced back up the aisle to The Cure and I was like crying and, you know, the toasts are really sweet and everybody knows why they're there. So everybody's like really feeling it. It's amazing. And so I start to play music. They do their first dance to Just Like Heaven by The Cure, which is super cute. And then I jump into The Kids Aren't Alright by Offspring, and everybody goes freaking nuts. It's like parents and grandmas and aunts and uncles and kids and gutter punks and stuff, like in a big mosh pit, and they're all having a great time. And I'm just like, oh my god, this is amazing. It makes being a DJ for weddings totally worth it, because normally I'd be like, dun, 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 you know, fucking journey. And, um... <laughs> So I noticed that some of the kids had snuck in flasks and they were like, you know, getting a little tipsy and it was fine. It was cute. I've, I've been that age. I, I get it. Um, but they started to like get real rowdy and, you know, and I kind of kept the punk rock going. I was like, Ramones, I want to be a state. Yeah. And they start grabbing glasses off tables and smashing them on the floor. And they start grabbing plates off the tables and smashing them on the floor. And, and I think to myself, like, okay, I gotta like get into actual pro mode here. And so I neatly transition going half speed into a Frank Sinatra song, which I knew would clear the floor, and it did. <laughs> so all the kids go out back. Now, out behind the Longview Gallery, there's sort of an alleyway and a little like smoking lounge thing. So, of course, you know, all these punk rock kids go out there and they're like, you know, smoking a million cigarettes. And so I'm playing kind of slow music, and the staff is cleaning up, and I hear words we just don't say, okay? I hear, queer, faggot, tranny, and I'm like, oh my god. And the more I hear, the more I get more, I'm like, all of the enthusiasm I had for these children, like, you know, just half an hour before, I'm just like, oh my god. And I notice the families kind of moving to the front of the venue 
while the kids are all out back being really rowdy. Now, what I didn't know and what none of us knew was that they were yelling these things to a group of drag queens. The drag queens did not take very kindly to being called any of these things that we do not call people. So they went to their car, they got out their burglar bomb, they drove back around the alley, and they burglar bombed the kids. Now, what does that mean, you ask? Well, a burglar bomb is a thing you put in your house that's kind of like a fogger, except it has pepper spray in it. So they, all of a sudden, it's like, all of a sudden, it was like a scene. You remember that beach scene from Saving Private Ryan when every, like somebody's carrying an arm and like people are like, Mommy! It's like kids running in and there's vomit. And much like the skunk story, big swollen faces. And like the kitchen staff also has a big garage door. So of course, all of that lovely mace blew into the kitchen and the venue. So all of a sudden... I see people running in, kitchen staff running in, people pouring milk on their faces, like kids collapsing on the floor, you know, everybody's screaming. It's mayhem. And I'm having a hard time breathing myself because the beautiful cross breeze that had occurred as a result of this wonderful venue pulled that shit into the venue and just coated everything. And I'm just like, oh my God, I just, I can't with these people. You know, it just was horrible, it was horrible. Ambulances, the, the venue manager runs to me and is like, shut it down, shut this wedding down. I mean, we still had hours to go, y'all. I played maybe like four songs or five songs at this point. It really wasn't that much. And, and we maybe had like another two hours to go. So I see my bride, my 19 year old, terminally ill bride standing there with her parents with a napkin over her face and she's kind of shaking and I walk up to her and I'm like oh my god are you okay and she turns around with the biggest shit eating grin on her face and she goes this is awesome <laughs> and I was like you don't say really that's I didn't think you'd react like that are you okay? And she's like, oh, you know, my friends are kind of dicks. They, they totally deserved that. But this is great. Nobody will ever forget it. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, but also, you know, I realized in that moment, like, she's my people. She's definitely my people. So that's it. Thanks. One more time for Aaron. Another story with so much rich detail. I, I can only wonder what powerful Republican family that child was from. <laughs> and by the way, everyone gets one of those cluster bombs on the way out. You're welcome. Just don't ignite them anywhere near here. Uh, up next, our third storyteller of the evening. Put your hands together for T-Jam. and close to this. Um, has anybody in this room had a dream? <laughs> Have you guys had a dream, some of you? Yes. Have you had a dream? Have you had a dream 
where you get to a crossroads and you realize that either you have to put everything into that dream or you have to say, you know what, this is not the dream for me today. I'm going to put this aside in a drawer in my hope chest. I'm going to pursue something else. I got to that point. Sounds like I'm the only one. It's okay. I got to that point and I moved to New York. Not so I could follow that dream, but because I decided that if anyone was going to kill that dream of mine, it would be me. I was going to go into the theater. And I realized um, I can't act and I can't afford to be a mime. So I'm going to go get an MBA. I'm going to go get an MBA, which is like the furthest thing I could, you know, the furthest run away from that dream. And I went to uh, New York in 2008. Um, you may remember the scene of New York 2008 as the uh, scene of the Lehman Brothers bankruptcy, which was a great time to be getting an MBA. So I was watching my uh, job opportunities fall apart and considering whether or not mimery is really the course of action for me. And I was, I was walking home from school with my little backpack um, that they, they gave us. And um, I'm just kind of thinking, and I, I'm at this street corner, um, not about to turn tricks, but because um, I was just standing there waiting for the light to change. And I look next to me, and there's this attractive man, about 5'8", um, looks like a good-looking accountant. And I realize I know this man. So I lean over to him very awkwardly, because that's the only way I know how to lean. And I said, I'm, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, sir. Um, are you by any chance Mark Rylance? And he said, uh, well, well, yes, I am. I don't usually get recognized on the street, but, but yes. Mark Rylance, you have to understand, is like this amazing British actor that apparently no one has heard of in this room. And that's all you have, okay, thank you. And he's just, he's amazing. Um, so some of his claims to fame are, besides being this like kind of, you know, um, this, this actor's actor, is um, he's been in a lot of kind of uh, period movies like Angels and Insects. But more notably, he was in a movie called Intimacy, where he performed unsimulated sex with his co-star. Meaning that the person I'm talking to, I have seen um, in very flagrant sexual acts. I'm not going to tell him that because I feel like he probably knows that I know that. Um, it's probably not something I want to bring up in the first conversation um, with this person. But I was like, wow, this is Mark Rylance. Another thing about intimacy is um, the person who uh, introduced me to it was, you know, I was in college, it came out in like 2000, um, was like, oh, this is a really great art film. It's about, you know, relationships and whatever. Um, that's not kind of what it is. It's more like if you already have a fear of commitment, this will confirm it for you. Um, <laughs> The guy who suggested this also told me that Oz, the prison series on HBO, was like a prison documentary, as opposed to like male softcore porn, which if he had just said that, I would have still watched it, but he like... Um, so anyway, this is how I know of Mr. Mark Rylance. So I'm just, I'm blown away. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's you. Um, we start walking in the same direction, and I was like, I just, I thought you were at the Globe Theater, which I should tell you, that's like a creepy thing to say to somebody, right? Like, oh, I thought you were in London at the Globe Theater. What are you doing in New York? My stocking skills are not as good as I thought they were. Um, and he looks at me and he says, oh, oh well, um, I'm, I'm actually in New York doing a play called Boeing, Boeing. It's very, it's very good. And I said, oh, okay, well, that's really cool. And I was like, I'm, I'm talking to him and we're walking and I don't know when this is going to stop, but we're just going to keep walking, I guess. 
And then he looks at me and he says, uh, what are you doing in New York? And I said, well, it's so funny you asked that because actually, you know, I was in theater, I was in Chicago, and then I moved to New York because I wanted to get an MBA and I don't know what I should be thinking. I'm, I'm saying all this to a complete stranger who I have seen like butt naked. And he kind of has no choice because we're walking in the same direction. And then I say, look, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm not stalking you. I'm just, I live, I live in that direction. He said, oh, no, no, I'm not scared. Um, <laughs> And then he said, you know, it's actually great that you're getting an MBA because a lot of people in the theater don't know how to manage. And I was like, oh, well, thank you, Mr. Mark Rylance. That's such great advice. And he said, I'll tell you what, um, I think you'd really like Boeing Boeing and um, I'm happy to leave you a couple of tickets at the theater. Um, and if you'd like, um, a couple of us might uh, go out afterwards to this bar and uh, you know, be happy to talk to you. And I was like, okay. So I kind of like scamper home and it's like, you know, you know, we're gonna go see The Wizard and I'm not gonna try to sing because I already told you I don't have any talent. Um, but now I'm like, all right, I have two tickets waiting for me at the theater to go see this thing Boeing Boeing and now I have to figure out who to take with me. So I'm like, all right, I can either take one of my business school colleagues or I can take like an old theater friend, like an old friend who really knows me and who's really gonna appreciate this um, from, my, from my college days, from my alma mater. And I was like, well, you know, if I pick somebody from business school, that's going to be weird because then like other people will feel bad about being left out. So I'll just pick this one friend of mine, Anne, who like is really into theater. And I say that and I'm not like, I mean, really what I was afraid of was that this guy was like totally like lying to me and like doing some kind of weird fucking sociopathic shit where he's like, yeah, I'm going to tell her that I left tickets at the theater and she's going to show up and she's going to be like super bummed that she didn't get to go to this place she'd never heard of. So I was like, all right, if I do that, then I need to bring somebody with me who's like going to help me reduce the humiliation. I can't like take a brand new colleague with me. So I call up my friend Anne and I was like, hey, Anne, you were never going to believe what happened. I ran into this guy, blah, blah, blah. Um, there are tickets on Thursday. Can we, you know, do you want to go? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. So I'm like, you know, gonna get my best gap shirt, like, you know, like sorta steam ironed in the shower. I'm wearing like my like least shitty jeans cause I'm like trying to be presentable and I'm super excited. And, um, and I look up the show and what's really, really cool about it is that, you know, so Mark Rylance, a lot of you guys haven't heard of him, that's cool. But um, Christine, I mean, it's, it's fine, he's all mine. Um, but Christine Baranski, who you might've heard of, she was in, she was in the play. And um, so it was like this guy from Ally McBeal um, was uh, the lead and there were a couple other people in there. So I was like, okay, well, so at least my friend is gonna have other people there that she you know, can kind of recognize, which will be really cool. And it, you know, if nothing else, like we'll just go out downtown. That'll be, that'll be fun. So we head down to the theater and um, you know, go get, our, uh, get the walk-up tickets and we have you know, perfectly decent seats. And I was like, all right, thank God. Like first thing is you know, settled. And the, the show is like perfectly fine. Like if you liked La La Land, you would like Boeing Boeing, okay? If you wanted Moonlight to win, don't go see Boeing Boeing, okay? Um, or, just, or just try, I mean, I don't, I don't know your taste, but, um, but it's, it was fine. For a free show, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, and then afterwards, we were supposed to go meet at this theater a couple blocks around the corner um, that like Christine Baranski likes to go to because, um, her friend Nathan Lane is a backer at this bar. So I was like, oh shit. Um, I was like, oh my God, if I meet like Nathan Lane and Christine Baranski on the same night, I'm gonna just, I don't know what's gonna happen, but it's gonna be explosive. Um, it's gonna be like that, that cluster bomb or whatever that we were talking about. Um, so, you know, so uh, my friend Ann and I go to the, um, to the bar and we're just kind of waiting for um, Mark to hopefully show up. 
and I'm telling Anne a little bit more about the the movies that Mark has been in and like what he means to me because I was like you know it's weird that I've seen so many of his movies and that of all the people that I ran into in New York like my first weeks here it would be this guy because he's not like an obvious celebrity right he's kind of like a like a jewel that you know only I kind of got to recognize and um and I explained to her intimacy and blah 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 and she was like wait a second so this guy's like that like weird awkward accountant looking dude was in like a softcore porn. And I'm like, it's not a softcore porn. First of all, it would have been technically a hardcore porn. Um, but it wasn't porn because it was like art. So, so it's art because I watch art, not porn. Um, and this kind of like weirded her out. She wasn't like, like really upset, but she was definitely like, I, I question your taste a little bit. So I was like very, very correct to not ask a business school colleague to come with me. So right around like maybe 10, 10, 15, while, while after we got to the bar, um, Mark comes in. And I'm trying not to be weird about it, but like he definitely recognizes me at the bar and I introduce him to my friend Ann and I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, my head is swimming and I just don't know what to do with this information and I don't want to like bother you. And his wife was there because his wife did the music and then like she left, but I'm, I'm trying to get some FaceTime in with him because I was like, he, he probably invited me here as like a nice favor to this nerdy girl who just really admires the theater. And, you know, maybe he's willing to like throw me some advice or something. So, you know, I, I'm sitting and talking to him and I'm like, you know, so did you work with a dialect coach and how did you decide to do this? And blah, 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 because he, you know, played this guy from Wisconsin and whatever. He's just really, really good at what he does. And I was like, I want to just absorb everything you have to say. My friend Anne, like, we've been at the bar for a while, so she's like definitely been putting them down. And um, and I'm like not her chaperone, but I definitely should have been. And she's like kind of insinuating herself. Um, and I remember before Mark's wife left for the evening, I remember she kind of like looked at both of us to make sure that like we were not threats which we were not, and she beat it. And then Anne was kind of like, so, um, so Mark, uh, you know, I hear, that, um, I hear that you were in this really interesting movie a couple years back, and I'm like, oh, bitch, don't. Don't do this to me. And she's like, you know, and I just, I'm wondering how you made that decision, and did you know going into it? And he's just super, super nice. And he's like, well, you know, I mean, it was definitely a very difficult part, and you know, you have to really know your co-star. And me and Carrie had been working together for a while, but and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the thing I really want to ask, like that I really want to ask, is, um, you know, your career seems to be going really well, but what happened to her career? Like, I mean, you guys were kind of both prostitutes, but like, you're the one who's on stage on Broadway, and I'm like, <laughs> like my like my lungs just collapse into themselves, and I backhand her in the bar. No, I don't, I don't do that. I don't actually backhand her. But wouldn't, have, wouldn't that have been awesome if I had done that? Um, but I just looked at her and I was like, and I think that's a really inappropriate question. And Mark, to his credit, is like, well, I, I had always actually wanted to whore myself out and I feel like I'm probably more of a whore on Broadway than anywhere else, to be honest. And I was like, think we have to go because I have school tomorrow. Bye. So I just kind of like... I kind of wrapped it up real fast, and I was like, this was, um, this was literally like the last way I could have wanted this encounter to go. So I grab Anne, and we go out of there. We you know, kind of say our goodbyes. Um, we don't see Christine Baranski, and that's okay. I think it's probably for the best. Um, and we leave, and I look at Anne, and I was like, why, why did you ask her? You know, why did you ask him that? And she doesn't really have an answer, but I was just like, I feel like she just kind of wanted to like dick with him a little bit. And I was like, well, I mean okay, I, I guess that's 
you know, better than the other possibility, which is that maybe he would have like introduced me to somebody or maybe helped me get an internship or whatever. So, okay, thank you for helping me crush the dreams that I came here to crush anyway. A couple months later, I'm watching the Tony Awards and, um, and Mark Rylance wins a Tony. Um, he surprisingly doesn't thank me in his acceptance speech. So I was like, what's that about? Um, and then a couple years later, he wins an Academy Award. Um, for a movie uh, called, I think, Bridge of Spies, which I've never seen because I was actually literally too embarrassed to watch it. Um, that's it. Thank you, guys. So much there. Uh, for starters, does Tija actually have a hope chest? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Eric and um, Actors in New York, what? Um, what are the odds? And how, why do people like Christine Baranski so much? Well, clearly I've struck a nerve with this table right here of the Christine Baranski fan club. All right, we've got one more storyteller. Give your hands a clapping motion thing. Put them together, that whole thing. Yes, very, clap this for David. Hey guys, how are we going? Okay, hope well, he's much taller than me. Um, so my wife and I, uh, we lived in Argentina together for six months. Um, there's a lot of things you should know about Argentina right out of the gate. Uh, th it's a country that likes, or very creative with their, their sort of money scams, things like that. Um, my f one of my favorite ones is that they'll spray water on your jacket or whatever. And they'll go, oh, you got bird shit on your shoulder there, buddy and they'll come and wipe it off, and then they'll take everything you have in your pockets. It's like a real creative shit like that. Or my favorite one is uh, if you use a MacBook in a cafe or any place in public, they'll follow you home and steal that from you. <laughs> it's real creative, you know, they're really smart. <clears throat> and as it turns out, there are a lot of Americans who are really fucking stupid. Like using something for their currency, which is like $5,000, $6,000 in public, like no one's gonna try to take that shit from you. Um, one thing you have to deal with when you're living abroad for any amount of time is a money exchange, right? Yeah, there's a lot of types of ways you can get money exchanges. Um, like for instance, you can do a conversion rate thing where you can just go to an ATM and you get money, and if you do that, you're a stupid asshole sucker. Don't do that because it's a really bad conversion rate. You get like 8.5. At the time, they had this dope thing, which was totally the black market, but what they called it was the blue market because the government didn't actually care. I don't know why they didn't call it the gray market. Like, why blue? Um, <laughs> at any rate, so you could do the, the stupid thing where you go to an ATM. You could do something called Zoom, which still exists, but now it's owned by PayPal. Like, you learn things every day. And uh, PayPal owns everything. You know that, right? Um, and uh, so you could do that for like maybe 10% of every dollar or whatever. And then you could do the blue market thing, which you could either go to a queer, uh, what is it, a, a change house basically. I can't remember, there's always dudes shouting on the street. And uh, you could get like a way better percentage, so you get like 15% on the dollar or some shit like that. Um, so we had met a friend uh, through various connections, and this girl uh, that we met, we met her one time, and she was like, oh yeah, my, my boyfriend's totally like one of those change guys. Um, do you want him to exchange some money for you? And we're like, 
oh yeah, that'd be great. We get like a way better return and like everything will have more spending power while we're here in Argentina and whatever. And we brought a bunch of American money with us. And so we were supposed to meet with this guy at some point and exchange a bunch of money. We're like, so hey, uh, Ornella, how much money are we supposed to bring? And she was like, I don't know, uh, I can tell him however much you want. And I was like, what, like two or three hundred dollars? Five hundred? She was like, bring five hundred dollars, bring five hundred dollars. Um, so now I have to carry like five hundred dollars around in my crotch in fucking scam-heavy Argentina, where everyone's just like kind of wants to steal from you. And we're supposed to meet at this like uh, this bar. It's supposed to be before a show. I don't know if you know this, but everything in Argentina starts at like ten o'clock tops. Like, like, at minimum, like, at earliest, most bands start playing, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. It's fucked up. I don't know how anything gets done there, basically. People stay out for that shit, by the way. Um, at any rate, so we're supposed to meet her, her boyfriend, who also is a drummer in a band, at this fucking bar somewhere. And we're, we're walking through the streets, and I'm just, like, dead paranoid, like, sweating out loud, sort of paranoid, like, frightened because I've got $500 in my crotch, and that's literally the most amount of money I've ever carried just in public anywhere, let alone in a place that's famous for spraying your shoulder with water, faking like bird shit. I'm just saying, I'm freaked the fuck out. And I'm sure I looked like it. It was like, <laughs> it was like oh fuck, what's gonna happen next? Like it, all, every, every step I took. So we get to this bar, and, well, the street that the bar was supposed to be on, it was completely unmarked. <laughs> Think about how fucked up and scary that is for a minute when you're not sure what's going to happen. We literally can't even find the number on the place. We're like, I guess this is the place. So we walk into it. It's completely closed up. There's one surly woman, like, cleaning a glass behind the bar. And uh, in our broken Spanish, we're supposed to be, we're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Like, who are we meeting, etc. And uh, the name of the band was 42 Demons. <laughs> Which we're trying to say in what little bullshit Spanish we know. So we're like, uh, cuarenta dos, I don't know, demonios? Like, what do we... I'm pretty sure that's... Does anyone speak Spanish? Is that cor near correct? Not even close. Cool. Or do you not speak Spanish, sir? Neither. You're not helping by shaking your fucking head. All right. Go back to not moving your head. Uh... <laughs> Anyway, so we're like, uh, I don't know, Florente dos de demonios or something? And she's like looking at us like we've got two heads. And I'm trying to text and stuff with whatever limited data, and we're just fucking lost. I'm like, I don't know, uh, in la fucking basement? What do you want me to tell you? I don't know anything. <laughs> we're trying to make a money exchange. So she's like, oh, yeah, uh, I got banned. I got there downstairs, kind of. And I was like, okay, cool, let's do this shit. So we walk downstairs, and it is a dark room that goes back about as far as the exit sign back there. And on the other end of the room, you just see a bunch of dudes who are bigger than me, which isn't hard to do, to be fair. And they're setting up underneath like a single like exposed light bulb, like band equipment and shit. And I'm just like, honey, are we in the right place? Absolutely terrified. And I just go, ugh. Facundo? Because that's the name of the guy we were supposed to meet. I didn't mention that already, sorry. 
but in my manliest just, so Facundo? Is it? It was Facundo, wasn't it? And they all stop what they're doing and just like, Like, welcome to us like we were fucking family. And I'm like, this has got to be an elaborate scam, right? Like, there's no way that they're going to be this nice. And it was like, amigo, 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 amigo. Um, fun fact, the biggest story while we were there was also about somebody getting robbed. Um, where a, um, a random dude came up to this guy who was on a bike tour. And he had, like, all of this video footage. He was filming his, his bike tours throughout all of South America. And this dude comes up to him on a knife with a knife and just goes, starts going like, give me your bag, give me your bag, give me your bag, which is just like, mochila, 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 again and again. And then all the guy said in response was, amigo, 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 amigo. So I'm having flashbacks to that fucking video. <laughs> Hoping that I don't get fucking robbed right now. Because they could totally take me. My best defense would be like maybe squid ink. I'm not sure. I don't know how to shoot squid ink. So... <laughs> They come rushing over to us and like, this is a bad move. I gotta, ah. Uh. And he was like, you make the money exchange, right? And I was like, oh, fucking, all right, cool. Um, this is totally fine. And so I'm like, give me a minute. Here you go. It's like, are you? All right, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so we did the exchange and everything was totally fine. And then I'm like, wait, they're gonna pop us on the way out. And so the rest of the fucking, like, the thing back, I felt like I was, like, James Bond or some shit, like, looking over my shoulder, man from uncle shit. I was like, we should switch streets that we're walking down. She's like, why? It's like, just in case. <laughs> we should, uh, I was like, hold on, double back, and then swallow. I was like, why? I thought that old man was following us. Like, weird shit like that. We got back to the apartment just fine, and it's just my complete over-paranoia um, that created this entire scenario in my head. Um, for the record, Facunda's one of the coolest fucking dudes I ever met. We hung out. He, he, after that, he would come over to the house. We'd have a couple drinks, and it was like a much more pleasant exchange. Um, and, and he'd also bring weed over. It was pretty dope, actually. <laughs> um, I had no reason to fear Facundo, and you should have no reason to fear going to Argentina, because it is an amazing place to go, um, as long as you watch out for bird shit. My name is David Coulter. You guys have been fun. Thanks. Bye. David, ironically enough, is a uh, producer at the Travel Channel. No, he actually works for the Inter-American Development Bank. Um, so those are our four stories. You guys like them? A lot to digest there. Frostburg, Skunk Attack, Punk Rock, Wedding, Tija Mark Rylance, New York Experience, and Argentinian bird shit. People still think they know who the liar is? No? All right, you got about 10 minutes. We're going to come back, do the interrogation, get your questions ready, ladies and gentlemen. Hey gang, Ian here. Gonna use this break to recommend a show for you. A brand new season of Your Story Here by Lizzie Peabody just debuted. Have you ever looked out at the sea of strangers and thought, who are you? 
Lizzie Peabody takes us on an audio dive on the weird and wonderful ways that make us human. Take it from me, the guy reading the promo. If you aren't listening, you're missing out. Listen today by searching your story here on your podcatcher of choice. Now back to the fun. You guys got questions? Yeah! All right, we got storytellers. Let's bring them out. Back in the order, they told their story. First up, Michael. Followed by Aaron. Followed by Tija. Last but not least, David. Now, during our brief intermission, I took some time. I scanned the room. I talked to some people. There seems to be a lot of debate. There's some debate happening right here. Um, And I actually saw one table where at least three people took notes. Not one, not two, but three people took notes. And that's not including all the people who got on their phones to look up who Mark Rylance was. We know who you are. And we're coming for you. All right, I understand we have some first-timers who they told me they have a very, very good question. They're seated in the back. Shout out your question. Let us know who you're directing your question to and what your question is. I will repeat it for these people over here. What? I'll repeat it. I'll repeat, I'll repeat it. So the question is, after the pepper spray incident from the burglar bomb, not a cluster bomb, burglar bomb, where did the milk come from and how was the whole triage situation handled? Sure, happy to answer that one. Um, (laughs) There was a catering staff and of course they do a coffee station at the end of the night. So they have like milk and creamers and stuff and they were just taking like full cartons and just (laughs) pouring it on people's faces. Would you like that ole? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Mike, don't strain yourself raising that arm. Aaron, let me first say, I love your work. It's a question for Aaron. Second of all, I know you're the liar. <laughs> Bold statement. Oh my goodness gracious. And like that, it's begun. So Michael wants to know who this person was. First name only is necessary, so you're not Googling obituaries or some sick shit. And what was the second half? I got two. Oh, and when did she pass? (laughs) All right, Erin. So the only time I checked back in with this particular couple was just to see if anything had happened to the people who um, burglar bombed the kids at the wedding. I actually kept my information in a Palm Pilot, and I looked for the backup, and I don't have it, so I actually don't remember what her name was. Yes. All right, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, we have a question on the floor. 
right, number three. <laughs> Could you tell us what terminal illness your bride had at the wedding? As a professional DJ with clients, I don't get into their personal lives. I just do the best job I can to throw a great party. She's a DJ, not a doctor, ma'am. Seriously. All right, all right. Does anyone have a question that's not for Aaron? Sir. Oh, dangerous. Wait, wait, hold on. You try it. Hello? Oh, hey. Uh, Michael, um, given that we both went to Frostburg State University. It's getting chilly in here. Uh, perhaps you can tell me what the mascot was at the school. What is the mascot, Frostburg State? You didn't need me to say that because you have a microphone. Can we just have a round of guessing? I think it's um, Frosty the Snowman. I think it's like a, a, a winter, the Winter Warlock from that Christmas special. Cartoon Jack Frost. Maybe, maybe. Michael, who is the, the this mascot? This is bullshit giving him time to guess what it is. Sir, you're not going to be able to do that when you're a diplomat overseas. So I suggest you get it out of your system now. I, excuse me, I, I play by my own rules. So you will have a very short career. Uh, Bobcat. <laughs> very interesting, very interesting. I see one way back at the bar. And ladies and gentlemen, we can bring it down to a dull roar so I can hear this woman. <laughs> the first gentleman, Michael, the Frostburg skunk experience. <laughs> that sounded a little judgy, man. That's a good point. Aaron has pointed out to me that you're the woman sitting at the bar. So basically, if your drinking companion, you and your drinking companion, how is it possible under the influence that you never engaged in sexual acts? Uh, I don't think she ever really trusted me. I think that was her... We may have... Discussed it at one point, but uh, I think she cared for me more than I did her, and uh, she sort of knew that. I'm just being honest. Would you guys like to see a reenactment of that conversation? It's not gonna happen. I'll be the one who cares more. That's my role. I'll do that. You're gonna, you're gonna be the one with you. Hey, uh, Kara, I was wondering if we could have sex. Yes. <laughs> All right, sorry, your hand has been raised a long time. Question for Michael. You were a bartender, right? What was the name of the bar and what were the happy hour specials? What was the name of the bar Michael worked at and what were the happy hour specials? Uh, 
Giuseppe's, and they were just beer and wine. Like rail stuff. What's that? Like, you know what? I honestly don't remember. He's an alcoholic bartender. When that story started, I actually thought we were getting into Cheers territory. Cheers was a TV show in the 80s that I watched. I don't know if you kids know about that. It was about a, a bartender who may or may not have had a drinking problem and had the hots for... Never mind. Art, art is dead. Thank you, ma'am. Yes? Question for Michael. So you're going to have to repeat that. What was the uh, facility and the philosophy of the rehab place you're at? And the mascot. <laughs> uh, Massey, and it was a 12-step um, program. What's that? Uh, made a list of uh, wrongs. Uh, wait, made a list of uh, wrongs that we committed and became willing to make amends to them all. Thank you, everyone. Erica, you have a question? Question for Tija. Hey, it's Tija's first question. Kristen Baranski. Uh, so where did you go to school and the name of the theater? So Anne and I went to undergrad together at U Chicago, but I was in business school at Columbia. The theater, I think, was the Long Acre, and I'm not sure what the name of the bar was, but it was um, Nathan Lane's Bar. <laughs> he owned a bar. It was not, not very gay, which I was a little disappointed. But everyone was very, very happy there. Another question. There's no question. Oh, yes, sorry. You're right there in the lights. Another question for Aaron. Punk rock wedding. So, if I may compact that into a question like form. Um, what is the timeline? Can you revisit the timeline of this event? Because according to this audience member, it just doesn't add up. Sure, what they were doing was they were cleaning up broken glass. Because I don't know if you remember, but the kids were pulling glasses and smashing them on the floor. So when I played Frank Sinatra and they all went outside, the staff came to clean up the glass so nobody would hurt themselves on it. Sir. Who are you, who, sorry, who are you? Uh, David? Argentina. Right. What is the unit of currency for Argentina? It's the peso. Layup. <laughs> wow. Still holds a lot of anger from that event. Yes. Uh, what Britta is asking is, what the hell is wrong with you? As I explained at the beginning of the story, sure, you can do the credit card thing, but in order to get the most out of the exchange rate, you have to exchange cash. Oh. 
There you go, the light bulb. By the way, how's the sound? Is the sound okay? Are we okay? Now still too. Okay, you're welcome. Next time we'll have Perfect Liars Club earplugs for you. Sarah. But you don't want to ask that anymore? No. Okay, in the back. <laughs> His name is Michael. Russian for the douche. So this is kind of a map question. You were asking about his com his commute or Amanda's commute, or it's whose commute? What? Gotcha. So did you say what you say? The Cumberland area of Maryland. Okay. Sir, you want to debate whether or not Cumberland is actually a city? Because we've got people from. In the back. What city in Alabama is Amanda from, Michael? She's actually from a uh, small town called Western Port, Maryland, which is right on the border of Maryland and West Virginia. What's that? It's, an, it's like an old coal mining town. So just to clear, sir, were you, were you, was that a trick question? Or are you just a poor listener? <laughs> Either way, we loved it. It was great. Best question of the night. Wait, someone who hasn't asked a question. Sorry. Michael, a.k.a. the douche. Your friend started out Bosnian, and at the end of your story, he was Croatian. Can you clear that up? It's Croatian. Hold on. It's the same language. Yeah, it's yeah. what All the Foreign Service kids want to take this one. <laughs> we got some Peace Corps volunteers over here. Who's going to field this? Yes. Question for Tija, what is your current employment? So actually I work for a startup. Um, I don't really do... Hey, hey, what? Actually, it's kind of cool. My boss is supposed to be here, and I'm glad that he's not, because I just... I could talk about my job. Um, no, I work for a startup. It's, it's pretty cool. It doesn't really require any theater skills, but it does make me happy. Is there... How would you like me to answer the question? What would make you happy? Does that work? Okay. I work for a startup. It's called Baby Scripts. We do a, a virtual care platform for uh, pregnant moms. Doing the Lord's work. The Lord's work. I, I see some. Oh, oh! Chief Liar Spotter, Laura. Oh, oh, so we're going to take a trip down memory lane and think of the amazing roles of Christine Baranski. This table is very, very excited. Which, which roles endeared her to you? So I'm going to answer and then I want to hear what you guys have to say and we'll see. So, um, so I think the first time I saw Christine Baranski was actually in the birdcage where she was with Nathan Lane. I think that's where they became friends. 
Um, and she's really funny. And what's, what's interesting is, to me, I always thought she looked a little like Scarlett Johansson in the face. Because she's got like beautiful eyes and whatever. I don't know why you would laugh at that. That's really impolite, and she's amazing. Um, she was also on a show called Sybil with Sybil Shepherd, and she played this like wisecracking sidekick, whatever. Does that like? How about you guys? I didn't really watch the good one. I like Juliana Margulies, but I think like I don't think I've ever had time to watch it. I also like Archie Punjabi. She's supposed to be good. Yeah, yeah. Like, like how there were. There was a huge sigh for Sybil, which was like moonlighting without the moon. Yes. Thank you. Michael. What's the, oh, what brand of, <laughs> Michael, what brand of tomato juice did you use? I think it was V8. Heather, don't hit your head. Heather Murphy. Heather Murphy. Uh, Michael, how long were you with Amanda before the stunt incident? Michael, how long were you with Amanda? It was like off and on for like uh, six months. And no sex. No. You know, some people like to wait. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? I think there's many people here who might have waited. Six I did, months? I, I did find it frustrating. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, the hand sprung up. How long were you with her the first time? Uh, we just dated here and there, hooked up at parties. Sir. Sorry? Question for David. spoke English shows she said that the band's name was 42 Demons and because she was speaking to us because we didn't really know Spanish and so we got there and we're like fuck we don't actually know the name of the fucking band in Spanish we're kind of screwed so it's like when you go to Argentina and you go to see U2 and you're like ah what are they called did you have a question Michael, oh my god. How did you buy enough tomato juice to actually take a bath in it? How, how did you buy enough tomato juice to bathe in it? She just, she bought it. I didn't buy it. She bought uh, like eight or eight to ten jugs and just brought it over. He said he basically All right, well, I'm sure this is helping, right? You guys are narrowing it down, huh? You. Hello. Is this another question for Michael? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm sure it's, it's the best question. All right, what is, what is it? Can you demonstrate the bath? So the, the question is, is can Michael please demonstrate the manner in which he took a bath in tomato juice.
Well, there, there you go. That solved it. Yeah, you're set. All right, Kara, how are we doing on uh, time? Time is a flat circle. <laughs> it's nine oh six. All right, we got time for like two or three more questions and one really good question. Oh, right here, right here. Yes. Question for David. Or the damage. <laughs> Can you count out the dollar bills of $500 that you had? The denomination, how did you have them in like 520s, 101s, change? It was actually all 20s because like an idiot, before we left, I didn't go to like a proper bank to try to get hundreds or anything. I like, I, I hit a couple of ATMs to get like hundreds of dollars, like hundreds of dollars in 20s out. And my, my wife is still mad at me about it. <laughs> and rightfully so. There's a lot of cash in the crotch. What are you trying to say, lady? I've not seen his crotch, but I think we can do the math. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> Sir, in the tie. Uh, <laughs> what is what does tear gas smell like or pepper spray? Right here, right here. It smells like burning. I mean, it. it just... I don't, God, I don't even know. All I remember is that it burned my eyes and everything I touched, if I touched anything close to my mouth, it just burned like crazy. And God forbid you touch your freaking eyes, oh my God. So it tastes burny, sir. Burny. Burny. What did you charge the dying girl for her wedding? Oh, what did you charge him for the wedding? Y'all are gonna hate me for this. Um, actually, I think at that time I was probably charging about fifteen hundred dollars to DJ wedding. No. Girl, gotta eat. Okay. Let it go there. All right, sir. Don't hit your head. Mike, everyone. My name is Mustafa. For Aaron. How can uh, someone, a punk rocker like you, with, with sleeve tattoos, um, don't really, judge, sir. I'm not judging, but really admit to loving the gutter punks, but still being excited about sellouts like Blink 182 and the Oxford. Oh, so this is a musical snobbery question. Oh, yay! This is right up my alley. So the question is, is you call yourself hardcore and you're playing that shit. I also really like Taylor Swift. I really like Britney Spears. And I've done nights where I've sold out the 930 Club playing Madonna, so. No, sir, thank you for your question. I hope you got the answer you're looking for. All right, this is gonna be it, ladies and gentlemen. The pressure's on you. We're gonna go out on a high note. Aaron, what did the Brian's parents do? Oh, wait, 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 clarify. What, what, are their, what are their, oh. What were the professions of the couple that hired you to do the wedding? Of the parents or the couple? So what I know about the parents is that they were both from New York 
Um, the dad was a beatnik, the mom was a hippie, they were divorced but super good friends, and that's all that I know about them. I actually have absolutely no idea what they did, but I, I rarely knew that kind of stuff. But the check cashed. Yeah, all right, well, there we go. All right, uh, should we call it, Kara, for him? Did you have any last minute inquiries or thoughts or bon mots you wanna share? Um, no. Okay, great. Nobody's got one last question that they're dying to ask? You already asked the question. All right, well, then it's true. Okay, you got me. You know, I, I might like to try a thought experiment. I feel like these questions, maybe, I'd like the storytellers to say who they think the liar is. You're totally flipping the script here, I know, Karen. I know, It felt risky. That's why I hesitated. It is risky. What might happen? I don't know. This is like we're crossing the streams. <laughs> I think that's different, but yeah. I'm talking about Ghostbusters. Sure, me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Alright, I don't know how this is going to work. We've never done it before. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a perfect Liars Club first! <laughs> David, in your heart of hearts, who do you think the liar is? Uh, I want to say the douche. Ooh, alright. TJ, in your heart of hearts, who do you think the liar is? I'm really sorry to say this, I think it might be David. Oh, interesting. Aaron? Him! No, that was the other show. Whatever! <laughs> um, I think it's David. Think it's David. And Michael? Who do you think the liar is? I think it's me, too. <laughs> that was a great idea, Karen. Was great. Good night, everybody. All right, you got two or three minutes to talk amongst your friends. You can have one vote, one vote only. We'll be back in two. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That is all the time that you get. Patrick. Patrick. This is how it's going to work. You raise your hand, you get one vote. One vote only. So, if you think Michael... AKA douche yeah. is the liar. Please raise your hand. Oh my goodness gracious. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Get the bobcats Forty-six. Forty-six for Michael. If you think Aaron is the liar, raise your hand. Only one hand, sir. I see what you're up to. Thank you. Start that and that's how democracies fall, sir. Oh my goodness, 47. <laughs> Are you serious? 48. If you think TJ is the liar, raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 26. 
And if you think David is a liar, raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. All right, so basically, by two votes, you think Aaron is the liar. Do you think that's true? Do you really think that's true? Do you guys want to know who the liar is? All right, well, first, first, our artists are going to plug their next appearances, and I'm going to be right back. Do you guys have anything to plug? All right, David. Um, I have a podcast called Advice with David and Cat. You can catch it at advicepodcast.com. And quarterly, I have a show right here at the Beer Baron called Bare Naked Comedy. It's a burlesque and stand-up show, and it's a fuck ton of fun. Please come to that. Thank you. Always be clapping. Always be clapping. I don't have anything coming up, but I'm a, I'm a nice person, and I tell stories occasionally. And you should totally come watch them. I was in Sucker for Love, directed by Mike Bayreuther. So look that up. And um, those of you who thought I was a liar, maybe y'all should have asked me some goddamn questions. Wow. So my DJ name is Lil E, and I DJ at the Black Cat on the third Saturday of every month. I'm doing an 80s alternative night um, this third Saturday, whatever it is. And I haven't been called a liar this much since I got divorced. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm doing the improv workshop at Robinson Secondary School tomorrow. You're all invited. <laughs> so, starts at 10 o'clock, and then we will break after 11, then there's lunch, and then we are going to start again at 1. So, it's very exciting. Kara, I understand you have something? Um, I just recorded a podcast at Black Cat last week called Singling. Many, our friend Keith is on it. Our Perfect Liars alumni, VJ, Vanessa, oh, Erica is on it. A bunch of us are on it. It's awesome. Singling. And I'm also hosting the Moth at Howard Theater on April 17th. The theme is Fresh. Fresh. F-R-E-S-H. Fresh, fresh. Yo, that's fresh. And those tickets sell out right away, so get them. Um... I have nothing to plug other than I'm looking for a job. So if you want me to come and do this at your place of employment, see me after the show. Uh, I also want to take uh, just another minute of your time for two reasons. Number one, next week is Kara Foran's birthday. So be sure to wish her a very happy birthday. Also, more importantly, recently, uh, you guys have heard Kara's amazing stories about Avery. Well, the adoption came through. Everything is legal and everything is official. So Kara now is officially Avery's mommy. These are for you, Kara. We're so happy for you. We love you. And now the process begins for you to adopt me. So. All right, can you guys give me a drum roll? Can someone videotape or record this with their phone device? Will tonight's perfect liar please step forward? She's Tija, and she's a perfect liar. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for coming. 
Thank you so much for coming. We love you guys. Good night, everybody. If you got it right, good for you. If not, better luck next month. That does it for the Goat Rodeo Variety Show. To find out more about Perfect Liars Club and how you can participate in the fun, go to www.perfectliarsclub.com. Special thanks this week goes to Pierce McManus, Kara Foran, and all the Perfect Liars Club storytellers. To find out more about Goat Rodeo and hear all our amazing podcasts, you can go to GoatRodeoDC.com and you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GoatRodeoDC. I'm Ian Enright, and we're Goat Rodeo. Keep an ear out for us. <laughs>